Welcome to Packet Pushes, the greatest data networking podcast, well, that's ever been so far. Maybe sooner or later. And uh, I'm Greg Farrow, and I am at the IETF 99 conference in Prague. Today's show is brought to you with the support of Huawei, who have been very good in providing us with some financial support to be able to travel to these events. You'll remember that Ethan covered the IETF 98 in Boston, and it's been my privilege to come to IETF 99. So thanks to Huawei for their support. Today, I'm talking to Alia Atlas, who is an area director in the IETF committee structure in the the lovely community focused theory I guess that's what you'll call it and also with us is Russ Wright who's a significant contributor I don't think you actually have any official office at the moment Uh, I'm working group co-chair for a couple of minor right working groups so you're both part (laughs) of the structures of the IETF and what I wanted to very quickly talk about is you know we've talked a lot in the past about how the IETF sort of exists not so much in a bubble I mean it's all mailing lists and things but there should be ways for other people to get involved. Now, we're going to be doing a show later on with a group of enterprise IETFers, uh, which I'm looking forward to, people who are focusing on the enterprise data center thing. And we'll talk about how enterprises can get involved So, uh, with the IETF, which is one of the things that's really lacking here. And that's not the IETF's fault, by the way. That's, you know, blah, blah, blah. So tell me about remote hubs. We were talking earlier about, about what remote hubs is. So what's that for people and how they can get involved? Sure. So one of the things that the IETF has worked on been working on for quite some time is getting really excellent remote participation of it together and you know we have that with meet echo if you haven't looked and you're interested you know on youtube you can connect in you can do during an ietf meeting you can just connect in remotely and that's all lovely but there's some other ideas that have been going on uh, particularly in latin and south america mm-hmm. um encouraged by LACNOG and mm. the internet society and also um other other locations as well. There's a wiki. And basically the idea with the remote hubs is that you can pull together and get together and watch a working group session and yeah. talk a little bit about what the IETF so is. Or kind of like a meetup? Yes. Or, but kind of like a, instead of getting together to watch football, you get together to watch an IETF? Well, yeah. So a lot of the IETF experience, if you ever come, mm. is the social side of this, right? Yep. Meeting people who are actually part of things. And also the tutorials and things like that. And you can watch all of this, of course. Mm. I mean, you can get online and you can watch it. And you can even participate in the meeting in the meetings if you want to. I mean, as Aaliyah said, there's Miticho. And each working group chair has a, um, a red button that they can press that actually ejects the most annoying participant in the working group. No, <laughs> no it doesn't. It just lets the remote participants speak. But it's a really big red button. It's it kind of fun <laughs> to push. <laughs> so, so anyway, but you, but you miss, like, the tutorials. You miss the community, things like this. So what the meetup kind of thing does is it allows you to build a local community. Like, uh, there are some in Latin America where they actually get local college professors who are working on particular research projects in the networking world who will present something that they're working on to the local um, remote hub the day before the IETF meeting, just like we have tutorials and newcomers meetings here. And then they're actually building like a little community that participates yep. as a community right. rather than as in just individuals. Right. And to amplify, one of the th- things that we've been experimenting with in the Boston area is having essentially meetups for technical talks. We're calling them IETF local communities. So have folks get together, present to each other about uh, IETF-related topics. Sometimes there's a little bit of humor involved and get feedback. It gives a nice, relaxed time for 
cross-area learning to provide some feedback, the ability to have a bit of mentoring. Mm. But as Russ said, a lot of the way the IETF works is by having the professional connections and communications so that you know who to go ask for a review and uh, of your particular document or get some ideas of what pieces of work you actually want to review. And so one of the yeah. things that's really important, people come and do work where they feel they're welcome, yes. where they feel like they'll be understood. And it's much easier to come yeah, to the... Yeah, the I- can be sort of a big, um, you know, scary beast that, so- that other people do from the outside. Like if you're not... And, and getting involved can be very difficult. But I mean, here this week, there's so many different areas now. Like the WC3, uh, W3C has got groups here. You've got people from the Broadband Forum. You've got people from the MEF. You've got people from the... All bringing their stuff forward. And it's getting... It's it's not just networking anymore. It's the, And that's a little bit dizzying to, to approach sometimes. Well, I guess I would say that it is all networking. Yeah. It just depends which layer you want to play at. Yeah. And one of the, the more interesting problems tend to be across areas. But yes, it's very hard to figure out um, even inside an area, you could say, oh, I care about routing. But in addition to sort of the core protocols, you know, BGP, OSPF, ISIS, we also have, and PIM and such, we also have more sort of boutique or special purpose protocols. And that can be a little harder to keep track of. Yeah. Whether that's... Boutique. Hearing you say that word is like weird to me. That's I mean, like me. Like, when, <laughs> I go, when I go shopping, I go to Target. <laughs> <laughs> well... So think, I mean, like Ripple, right? Mm. RP, Ripple is for I, a lot of the IoT space, and it's, yeah. but it's very much in that special purpose. Or Trill, which is very much a special yeah. purpose. Or even Babel, which is one of the working groups um, that Russ is one of the co-chairs for. Yeah. And, you know, which is targeted Well, I guess what home. I was trying to say is that sometimes if you're, if you're, if you're further back from the, from the blaze, um, mm-hmm. it, it's a confusing thing. So just a, a quick update to the audience. Uh, we're being joined by Kathleen Moriarty, and you wanted to talk about the fact that it's more than just networking? Sure. So just It's to not a criminal offence to do um, more than networking, you know. Right, <laughs> yes, exactly. It, yes, it is. Big so, red button. <laughs> <laughs> the security area, we actually have a number of working groups that have, that have been working on data modelling type work and information exchange. And so I wouldn't quite bucket that as networking. We do have lots of protocols that, you know, are over the wire, uh, TLS, IPsec, and such. But we have branched out a bit, to to your point. Yeah. And I just, so uh, the point I was trying to make was that if you stand back from where I'm living, out, you know, outside the bubble, I don't participate inside the ITF because there's only so many hours in a life that, that you have. And um, sometimes it's very confusing to know where to, to join, where to enter. That's not a criticism. That's just the nature. It's like working for a big company. When you get hired, you start in a, you know. And that goes exactly to all the conversations I think we have at the, um, the newcomer social, mm. right? I start out, I ask somebody, what are you interested in? And try to direct them to a few interesting working groups, usually ones that are just starting up mm-hmm. because it's easier to get a grasp on what's happening than jumping into one that's almost close to done. Yeah, and, and you know, always in the, even if you can't physically get to the events, you can always join in on the mailing lists. But, you know, you have to build up your karma. So people have to recognize your contributions over time. Right, and being willing to do reviews of documents, even if you're like, I reviewed this and it looks like really interesting work and by the way, I found a typo. You know, that's still really useful because it shows interest. And if you actually have a technical contribution to make beyond that, 
that's also you know incredibly that's a good, useful. That's incredibly useful. But don't be offended. I mean, one of the things was I was watching a meeting uh, yesterday while I was here because I was sitting in on some of them, and watching people challenge each other. And I know that it's not conventional amongst certain groups of people to be challenged. They expect to be heard and understood. And uh, I've always taken the view that if I can't get my point across, that's my fault, right? And But don't give up. Be a little bit persistent. Don't let... Um, it's a different well, culture. It is it, a little... You know, it's very is. much a nerdocracy. Um, One of the things I try to remind people, particularly for newcomers, is, yeah. you know, you have to remember everyone who's here is an expert in something. Yeah. And nobody who's here is an expert in everything. And you've yeah. got to have some humility and you also have to have some ears open and, you know, be willing to really listen to each other. Um, we do try and mitigate and one of the values of the face-to-face -face is yeah. that you get to meet people and mm. that gives you know so that when you see the email thread you know in fact some of the uh connotations and subtext yes. that comes along with it and you're yes. like oh that's just i can't possibly that give you person, a, and your name and right you, now well, you start, <laughs> oh that's, you start oh, that's just russ wide he's like that yes. yeah, and well. you, you start to read messages yeah, yeah. and ignore the language aspects that are typical of a certain person. Yes. So either, the, you know, if the grammar isn't quite, yeah, quite communicating right. Communicating over email is an or, enormous challenge. It didn't get yeah. any better just because it's an ITF yeah. mailing list. Right, right. Exactly. Or there's, there's words that are inappropriate. You, I actually filter them out. Yeah. I, I, and I, you know, I know the person, so I, I don't think a thing of them. Yeah. And then I'm running into, you know, newcomers who are reading threads and not realizing people are all actually being helpful and mm. trying to scope something down to what their actual yep. use case is to, yeah. to guide them. But I'm sure you could flip that and read it a completely different way than I'm reading it, right? Yeah. So it's, it's some coaching to say, we are a group of technical people and the best way to read these messages is that people are actually trying to help yeah. get to an end game and maybe Take a talk positive to them viewpoint. offline. Yeah. Well, so so these remote hubs are an attempt to form little chapters or well, so local clubs or out, as a form of outreach? Is that well, the so IETF club. There's a, there's a patch. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple different things. The remote hubs are essentially, you know, they're activities, um, but, and they're happening during IETF, but one of the things that we are trying to do is, as you say, sort of local community, IETF local communities. We have one in Boston, there's one in Bangalore, and we're starting, I'm starting to go out and say, hey, would you like to do the coordination for one? It's basically meetups, a chance for more do, to do outreach, but also for the IETFers in the area to come together, share what they're learning, do more cross-area. At IETF, as you say, there's a lot going on. People are really busy. And while they want to be helpful, they don't always have the cycles. Just think about how fun it was trying to figure out how, when to schedule this, right? Yeah. So <laughs> well, You try and, and schedule ten, six or seven of these meetings and you'll understand the word fun. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. It's the deer in the headlights. Look. Yes. Yeah. But, so what we're trying to do is it's essentially like a local meetup. We get together, we have some talk about mm. interesting technologies, and then we all go out to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> but... One of the pieces there is it means when you have a mailing list exchange and you're not sure what's going on, you know somebody else to ask and say, yes. could you tell me this or is it okay, you know, does this message yeah, look appropriate? Sure. Not that you can't just send anything, but the way I think about it is everyone has their own um, different UI. Yes. And until you know what their UI looks like and how to interact with it, yeah. it can be a little more Yeah, I guess I would encourage people to be persistent. I mean, sometimes the ITF is a little, you know, this and, is and, my second and that's one. That's key. And, know, don't, and, and, little, and don't, and don't, feel like you have to be on list, by the mm. way. This, yeah. I think, is really, really important. 
quite often people, I see people come on list and they say something. Now we're kind of morphing into a different, but anyway, I feel, I feel like people engagement come Engagement is list. engagement anyway. Yes. It comes, right? they, they come in and they, they get involved in a list and then somebody tries to be helpful and they take it as a negative thing. They take it as a, you're beating me up mm. and then they disappear. And the reality is, if that happens and you're unsure of what's going on, the best thing to do is simply go off list, email that person directly, mm. and ask them what they're trying to do. Mm. And just don't be afraid to approach people. And I think the whole meetup thing and getting together face-to-face -face gives you much more confidence. Well, we've seen the success of to, the local, of the that. whole meetup thing. Like, the, it's not a phenomenon, but, the, you know, there's a lot more meetup groups happening locally. Like, even yeah. in my hometown, which is... Um, you know, it's only sole redeeming factor is GCHQ is in town. And uh, <laughs> these people actually can't come to meetings because they're not allowed. And even if they do turn up, you can't photograph them, which kind of makes it not very much fun for social media, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but so the whole point of the, having the local communities, the other thing is to, is to have people start building those connections. And then the other piece, yeah. well, there's two pieces. One is... It's a fun thing to do for people who are already in the IETF. It's a chance to come and talk about yeah. technology and get feedback and that interaction. And that, I mean, one of the things about the IETF is the quality of the conversations mm. and the technical discussion and getting to talk to other people who have that level of expertise. Yeah, I learned a lot from reading mailing lists and IETF drafts, like when I was... I'm um, still in the process of learning that sort of technology. Even now, today, I still read just about every uh, RFC that gets published. That's incredible. I thought only area directors had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we yeah, so I, I think you found yeah. a new viewer. Just sign him up for the routing area director. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, I've been reading the latest IPv6 draft, uh, RFC 8200, and going like, Oh, wow, it's going to be a standard now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, it is. There's a lot. If you look at the growth of IPv6 on the Internet and even not some IPv6 only, um, Lee Howard has some statistics. I actually have a recording because mm. we did a uh, routing area working group chairs, basically really a workshop on the state of V6 um, that Lee Howard and John Brzezowski were kind enough to do, and I'm going to be putting that up on YouTube mm. later on. But the statistics are really impressive and yeah v6 is coming and it needs to be a standard yeah, well, i spoke to fred baker yesterday sure. um and that there's a show that goes on around that and he was talking a little bit about the report he wrote for isoc which yes. is a really comprehensive data rich well, lots Fred. of you know and fred's a good author too <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah uh and so that's worth looking at it does look like we might be you know, reaching sort of 25% penetration in the carrier community. That's great. With IPv6 sort of wow. as, a, as a rough sort of, you know, smudgy. When I was a civil, when I did my civil engineering right. back in the day, they said that the, the, the big gruff, grumpy old senior civil engineer would always put his thumb in the middle of the diagram and go, that's where the moment is. <laughs> <laughs> that's the centre of gravity right there. And, and sure enough, th two years later, it would be. <laughs> oh, and back to the hubs, uh, to your initial question. Um, one of the big values that I see in it is the cross-area fertilization, right? Because in a local area, so Aliyah and I live near each other. She's routing. I'm security area director. And, you know, you get such a good cross-section at these meetings that um, the conversations are really interesting and it brings some new ideas to the table and people who are talking who had never talked before. And I think that's part of the, the fun of it, right? It takes pressure off. It's not all people in your area. You don't have to be an expert in every draft. And you can put your hand up and say, well, what about this? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it takes the yeah, I just think it's about the, the approachability. Off. What about 
um, Code Stand? What's Code Stand about is the other thing we want to talk about. Sure. So Code Stand, we started a few years ago, but like all things in the IETF, it's volunteer-driven. So it's taken a bit longer to get out than I would have liked. Um, it is essentially, it's been described as a dating site for, <laughs> I shouldn't say that, right? But for uh, standards and open source. So... <laughs> <laughs> Swipe right. Swipe right. Swipe right. <laughs> it's a whole new way of voting for standards. Do you think? Swipe right. Swipe right. Well, no, it's it's so, so basically, we could replace humming with. Swipe right. <laughs> I think this. So basically, we are integrating it with the data tracker, which is the main tool that the IETF uses, mm. and uh, we won't have that finalized for another. I, I think it's like six months out before it's in the the main data tracker versions. So that's hindering use of it. But basically what it does is you can go and find a standard that you'd like to implement or that you've implemented mm. and connect your implementation to that that standard or that draft to show that there is implementation interest. Mm. So if it's a working group that, you know, they're they're interested in showing multiple implementations before publications, they can do that. The other thing that you can do with it is put up a request for implementations and offer to mentor somebody. All right. So if somebody in industry... Somebody wants to come along and write code, but they don't know... Right. They want to ask questions. The person who's running the standard or might want to mentor them. Or a student. Yeah. 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 Students so or PhDs. Yes, yeah. Masters. And basically if they have yeah. a big project they want to get done, they can... Um, There's a point at which they can engage and we can get more running code and less... Exactly. Right. Yeah. And we've asked mentors to be very responsive so yeah. that if it's a student that has a deadline yeah. and doesn't want to do throwaway code for their project, the student knows they're going to get a reasonable answer in a, a reasonable time frame so a, uh, from I mean, somebody that can help. I mean, a lot of the Stanford is the fact that those people can do something at university level, like master's or PhD level, or even, you know, graduate level, and then carry that straight into the vendor community and exploit the hell out of it, or go through VC and then turn it into a funded startup. And then, and then Right, yeah, right. Yeah, going back and to the whole future of network engineering thing, yeah. we're always telling people they need to learn to code. Yeah. And yet most of the time what in network engineers do when they go to code is they learn Python, Yes, and they scripting. they kick yeah. a few scripts off to do their Cisco CLI or Juniper CLI or whatever the yeah. case might be. This is actually a chance yep. to go do real code that has real impact in the community and learn to code with a mentor. Well, and we've actually talked about um, implementing it with uh, within projects. Uh, so a school class could start up a project, connect to a company, mm. and the company might send somebody. Um, uh, send somebody in to help teach the class and get them to code in ways that industry code, which is different I wonder, than what I happens mean, in One university. of the really interesting things there would be is if resellers or enterprises would pick up that sort of thing and right. act as, you know, work with a local university or something to do this sort of coding experience and form a pipeline. Yeah, capstone projects. To, so you could take a project out of the ITF... Yes. Give it to, a, you know, work with a local university and then as the graduates come out, suck them into your organisation. Yes. So that you're making engineers, not just yes. trying to hire them. That's exactly. exactly. Or more correctly, renting them. Yes. So we, yes. we have that on our roadmap and it's not integrated in the interface, but mm. we have talked to a few universities and some employers about the possibility of doing capstones for that. You know, there's huge benefits on both sides, as you described. Mm. Yeah. So the ITF's doing a lot of different ways of trying to do better outreach and to be friendly, to realize that there are folks who want to be able to, you know, uh, need to engage to get mm -hmm. some mentoring, to be able to do some coding, to be able to interact and participate at, you know, even if they're uh, 
not able to come to the physical meetings to have to connect in to do low volume participation and say, look, I've got this one problem and I don't know exactly where to take it, but this is what's going on and to get some advice and shaping. Because, you know, if you have a smaller group, you know, 20, 30, 40 people, it's a lot easier to engage than at an IETF meeting where you've got a thousand plus. I mean, of course, we do have the education yep. track with tutorials. Yep. We've got mentoring at the physical meetings as well, but it's all... I, but it's all really important. I even heard Aaliyah was mentoring somebody this idea. <laughs> and and I, I was thinking, poor soul. <laughs> <laughs> but in addition, well, I thought I should give it a try. Usually, as an area director, I just have very few cycles yes. to actually Well, you're just down. stumbling from session to session most of the time because yes. you're the... <laughs> trying, to <laughs> trying to stumble. It's, it's like yeah. moving through molasses. You have to perfect the and walk everybody to get wants anywhere. To, and everybody's trying to get you as, as you right. move between sessions. Yes. Sure. But in addition to that, I'm also... The IETF has an education, mentoring, and outreach directorate now. It just got reformed to also include the outreach, and I'm mm. in charge of the outreach programs. And yeah. I'm really interested in talking to folks about what their issues are and what would they like to see and how can we have more people come and participate um, and you so, know, make these things so happen. So your life as an AD, as an area director, basically means you sort of shepherd a number of work strands or work streams with inside of the AD. It actually means she reads. Yeah. 24 hours that, a day, like, seven so, yeah, days we, a week. I kind of imagine a lot of the RFCs are kind of like, well, there's not even RFCs, there's working groups, and each of those working groups is a work stream. And, like, if I think about it in terms of enterprise tech, which is where I come from, I would have a project to build a data centre. And inside the data centre, you know, and there'd be a master lead for that or a master architect or whatever, and then below that is a whole bunch of streams. There'd be power, there'd be networking, there'd be storage, there'd be compute, there'd be, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. I sort of imagine it to be roughly similar to that, or is that wrong? No, it well... It's a mixture of things. So at, its, at the top level, I would say, area directors are responsible for three things. One thing is the management of working groups. So um, decide, look, going out and looking for new work, and we're always looking for new work in routing. If you have something interesting <laughs> that we're not working on and we should be, we'd be delighted to talk I'm to you. I'm biting my tongue. I'd, I'd say the same for security <laughs> area. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> not saying, but we are. Um, so Is there going to be a successor to BGP then? Are we finally going to get rid of it and start moving on? <laughs> so I am not the right person to talk to about the five different ideas for the next generation of BGP, but I'm not going to get distracted into that, even though I haven't had enough sleep. Um, except to say, as with anything, in order because the IETF works on volunteers, one yeah. of the pieces is you have to there have to be people who have business motivations mm. to actually come and work on things in order to make them really happen. And one of the challenges I think is communicating back the value that participating in the IETF has or yeah. the standards. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, onto the AD like so there's one of the things we do is manage the working groups. That means everything from saying, yes, this is what this working group should be doing, or pulling new work in, like I chartered Babel mm. and Beer. Um, as new working groups, and yep. you know, Kathleen's chartered a number as well. Um, so we have hiring and firing power over working group chairs. <laughs> of course, since they're, all volu- <laughs> since they're all volunteers. You do not do scared well. Um, <laughs> since we, since it's volunteers, I mean, that could be a There has to be a cleanup. There has to be leadership of some form. Like, even no. in volunteer communities, there has to be a, uh, a, what I call hygiene. 
And and as an area director, we all manage a little differently, of mm. course, right? People are people. And uh, I think if you're doing it very successfully, nobody realizes how much management you're doing because yes. you're you're managing volunteers, which is a difficult thing to do. So mm-hmm. you need to make sure that they look and feel good in front of things. So, you know, I tend to take care of a lot of things in the background. Yeah, yes. Praise in public. And everything else <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> I think coaching, right? Coaching everything guidance, suggestions. So really, so it's just like project management in a sense. Yeah. You know, like any project manager, there's a lot of secretarial tasks. There's a lot of organizational yes. tasks. And sometimes it's, it's sort of leadership, but mostly it's following. No. And some coercion to get volunteers to do stuff. We <laughs> no, don't refer to mind twisting quite that way. Yeah. But the secret to I'm vol- joking. The secret, the secret to getting volunteers is to ask. Most people, a lot yes. of people will do stuff if asked, whereas a lot yes. of people are reluctant to stand forward. Right. There's, there's nothing like saying, I really respect your skill set and I think you do a really good job here. <laughs> do you happen to have just a little bit of time to review this document? I've taken a quick look through it and I think it would really benefit from your expertise. <laughs> yeah. um, you yeah. could get all, but, but anyway, but only one of the pieces of yes. what an area director does is the working group management. Mm. One of the other pieces they were talking about is the streams of work and that's we review, basically you serve as the technical stopgap for all of the documents coming out of your working group. I, I t- I often just, just to take a, a step left here, I often just wonder if the world realises just how um, how much of the internet infrastructure is actually done by volunteers. No. I, I, I really don't I, think... I don't think I was actually, realize, I bumped yeah. into some American tourists who completely, weirdly, with the ITF in town, had they had nothing to do. They were all staying in the same hotel here, everything. And I was trying to explain to them that what it is that the IETF does. And I'm going, like, no, these people... They, they're even further back in the nerd hierarchy. They're, so, they're almost invisible because they're the people designing the stuff that, they, you know, they're like, like the nerdy nerds. <laughs> and I'm sort of going, yeah, kind of, but that's not really what I want to say. I don't want to say that. You know, it's very hard to explain. Well, yeah. it's, we, do, we do the standards that make the internet work. Yes. And that's... At... But that means it's meaningless to normals. <laughs> so, yes, but when you say email... Web, you know, HTTP security, so you can do online banking, yeah, yeah, yeah. etc. You know, we so we're like the you know routing. We're like the post office. You drop the letter in, saying source and destination, and we figure out how to get it to its destination. So yeah, and I always take a step back and say this. You know, we make the we design the protocols that get your phone to connect to servers around the world. Yeah, yeah, or, I know. Your I, computer, I just right. So because I must admit, I mean, you know, the, the some of the characters walking around here are. N- not middle class. The they internet would not work without them. They would not work without them. No, absolutely not. Minds but I'm just sitting there saying that these are an ordinary, you know, middle class people who probably haven't had a, a wide ranging set of personal experiences. And they're looking at these people wandering around, you know, with ponytails or beards or strange clothes or, yeah. you know, even us just around this table who are not that deformed from normal, except in, internally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the hair didn't turn out that well. I just wonder how we ever bridge that out. How do we explain what we do to the wider world? And I wonder what would happen if we did. So, I mean, we are doing efforts. Yes. I mean, not perhaps for the wider world, but for more of your audience who actually yeah. understand a lot of networking and technology. I, for instance, in the routing area, Alvaro and Deborah and I put out a blog about what's happened in at the IETF in the routing area after each IETF. We've been doing that for about a year. Well, here's and- an invitation to come put it on packet pushes. 
Seriously, you Great. should just whip me the content and we'll publish it up on the Packet Pushers website oh, well, to get you. you some exposure. Thank you. Yeah. The IETF, so the IETF blog actually yeah. has, is having more and more yeah. content because well, we but, are conscious you know, of the you know, We get some content out of that, of course, but of it course. does get you some exposure and we'll link back to the original. And that would be excellent. We'd be, be delighted yeah. to, of course. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, part of the challenge is how do you get it out there? Obviously, we all have practice. I have my ten-year-old son, yeah. and you know, so I explain to him what we're doing, and so you get better and better yes. at explaining it. But no, I one of the issues I think is people look at the IETF very much as sort of motherhood and apple pie. Everyone depends on interoperability, right? And that's what we provide is standards that are really interoperable, and yet. Uh, it also has the standard tragedy of the commons problem. Mm. Everyone assumes someone else is volunteering to do it. And that's not always the case. Yeah, so well. we really could use more people who are interested and also, you know, supporting mm -hmm. IETF in a lot of ways from reviewing documents to chiming in on a mailing list to bringing their problems so that, because usually if you have a problem, other people do too. And Aaliyah really thinks your expertise you're <laughs> <laughs> not just meat for the grinder. You're actually <laughs> Look, uh, I, I want to. I know you guys are really, really busy, so I really appreciate your time dropping in here today. Thank you to Alia Atlas, area routing area director, routing area, Kathleen Moriarty, security area director. Thank you for joining Thank us. Thank you. And of course, Russ. Thanks for setting this up. Sure. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. And uh, that's it for this show. Thanks very much for listening to the Packet Pushers today. Uh, if you want to find out more about this, you can go to packetpushers.net. If you want to be a part of our community, you can email us, packetpushers at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you're thinking. To give us some feedback, tell us what, uh, what's happening in your part of the world. And as always, remember that too much technology would never be enough. <laughs>